Uh, so good to see you guys. Uh, please, uh, please come back today uh, and hang out with us uh, and watch football. Even if you don't like football, just like, come and hang out. Uh, we're going to drag a bunch of tables out and sit around them and eat wings and all that stuff. If you don't like wings, go pick up something else. I don't care. Bring it back. Just come hang out with us. Uh, and, and, here's, and here's why you should. Because we need community with one another. We need, we need to know one another. Uh, there's a lot of people that are attending right now that don't know anybody. And if you don't hang out with them, how are they ever going to know anybody? And for those of you that are those people that don't know anybody, if you don't stay, how are you ever going to know anybody? You're like, well, I don't like football. Well, I mean, you know, it's the Titans, you know. You don't have to like them. They're just your Nashville team, you know. I mean, you know how it goes. You saw, saw the way everybody went with the Preds. Care about hockey before all that. Come on. So, yeah, no, seriously, we'd love for you to stay uh, after. Uh, man, you want to talk about some football, not that I watched it or anything, but uh, uh, talk about a miracle, uh, good old U.K. killing Florida yesterday. That's was like 20, 26 years or something. They haven't won. What? 31. thought I heard 41 there for a minute. Like, y'all just making stuff up now. I mean, I knew we were bad, you know, but... 31, there you go, pretty crazy. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. In fact, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. If you don't, our ushers will bring you one. Uh, I want to go ahead and jump into this because I want to make sure we've got enough time uh, to, to get through everything that I want to share this morning. Uh, I've been looking forward to uh, this morning for a while, and uh, I think it's going to be good. Uh, we're going to the book of Genesis, by the way, book of Genesis. If you need a Bible, make sure you get one from them. If you don't own one, take one. We want you to take it, and it's a gift. You can have it. Uh, we'd love for you to keep it and let the Lord speak to you through it. It is his word, uh, and we wholeheartedly believe that here at 24. Um, going to the book of Genesis, Genesis 28, um, and uh, yes, we are veering away from Mark uh, for a week here. Uh, I felt like, uh, felt like uh, this would be a good opportunity to, uh, to share uh, some stuff going on and uh, some things that God is doing, uh, and just uh, all that good stuff. So yeah, um, so here a while back, I, I shared that um, I, I felt like God, and, 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 and by the way, all this is at risk of me sounding uh, like I'm crazy, okay? And, I, and I'm very aware of that as I share it, uh, and, and that's fine. I don't care. Um, because uh, a while back, I felt like God had given me a vision. That's not something that you hear me say very often. Uh, I feel like I've heard God speak to me clearly in my life uh, in different ways, not talking about like audible voice necessarily or something like that, but maybe through other people or through situations and, uh, you know, different things or whatever. Um, but I feel like I've felt God speak to me very clearly about certain things over the course of my life at certain times. Uh, some of those things have been life-altering for me, for my family, uh, for what I didn't even know would be a family once upon a time and different things. Um, including, um, you know, when I felt led to start a church, I was in youth ministry. I had no, absolutely zero intention on in, in, in ever wanting to be a lead pastor. I mean, I didn't desire that for nothing because I grew up with one. And, uh, you know, when, you, when you've seen the man's holy underwear, you know what it's really like, you know? And so, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just one of those things. So anyway, uh, Fast forward to uh, what's happened recently. I, 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 part of part of the aftermath of like like trying to uh, digest uh, 
what I felt like God had spoken to me about. Uh, in the midst of that, um, I felt like God was saying I couldn't tell anybody about it. Uh, and that's, that really stinks. I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, like, I, and, and it wasn't a part of like the initial thing, but like in the aftermath, like it was so strong. Like it was like, Chris, you can't tell. I mean, things would happen. I'd, I'd be with people and say, they'd say something and I'd be like, oh my gosh, that, you know, you'll see. I'll tell you about it in a minute. And, and I'm just like, well, I want to, you know, and God's just like, no, not yet. So that being said, um, I want to share this passage with you out of Genesis 28. Um, and it's about Jacob. And, and I, by the way, I'm in no way implying that I'm Jacob or anywhere near the guy that Jacob was or that God spoke to me exactly as he did Jacob. Uh, but there's a similarity. We'll talk about it. It says this, Jacob, uh, Genesis 28, verse 10. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, and he put it under his head and lay down in, the, in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Okay, I'm gonna read, let me read that part again. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, on this ladder, okay? And behold, the angels of God, I'm sorry, the angels of God were ascending and descending, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Jacob has a dream. Uh, I had a dream. Not, not being cute, but literally, I had a dream. About two, two and a half months ago, uh, I woke up on a Monday morning in a cold sweat. And I mean, just like so many emotions at one time, like I, I was overwhelmed. Uh, I, I remember I, I set up on the bed and I don't just set, I don't set up on my bed and like set on my bed. If I'm on the bed, I'm laying on the bed. You know, it's like, like it is time to lay down. Like some of you, like, you know, you remember like when you were a kid and you're like, I don't, I'm, a, I'm never going to sleep. And I'm like, man, I can't wait to find time for a nap, you know? Uh, so, but yeah, and so, you know, I, I woke up and I sat up on the bed and I, I bet I sat there for an hour just, just trying to digest what, uh, was in this dream that I had had. Jacob's dream is, is a pretty amazing thing in of itself. It is this telling of two, of, from God to him saying to him, first of all, uh, there's, you know, angels and all this going on, you know, up and down, ladder to heaven, you saw that. Um, 
And so we see that going on, okay? But then, then we see God basically giving Jacob this like hardcore understanding. He's like, number one, I'm with you. Number two, the land that you are on, it is yours. So this is the continuing of a promise and God promising to him, I'm going to keep my promise for Abraham's descendants that this will be your land. Now, it's not a big deal to us, but it's a big deal. Just trust me. So this all happens. So I think it's worthy to, and if you study this passage whatsoever, and we're not getting super deep into this passage today, I'm going to share some other uh, passages that God's been uh, speaking to my heart about here in just a minute. Um, but in this passage, if you study this passage, you won't, if you're studying any kind of decent, with any kind of decent study Bible, it's going to also lead you to John 1.51. John 1.51. And if you don't know what John 51 is, uh, here it is. John 1.51, it says, And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God and ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So just to like get to the quick of what's going on in that passage of Scripture is that Jacob sees a vision, and we'll leave that up there for a minute. Jacob sees a vision of the angels of heaven ascending and descending on a ladder in Genesis 28, you fast forward to Jesus in John 1.51, and he's saying that we will see the angels ascending and descending, not on a ladder, but on the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus becomes the ladder. We know this. We know that God sent his only son, Jesus, to die for us. We know that he gave his life for us, that he would bridge the gap, that he would make a way, that we could not only be a part of the family, but that we could have eternal life, that God himself will will eventually do a work to restore the ultimate restoration that has ever happened and bring the kingdom of God in a way like we, we can't even imagine. I mean, there's, there's going to be amazing things. There's amazing things uh, that are going to happen in, in front of us uh, and before us, and, and it's going to be all his work and all his doing. Uh, it's exciting stuff. So, um, I, you know, I, I was going back, and I started, I started sharing a little bit of this a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was going back and looking at the very first messages that I preached uh, at 24 Church, which was, uh, would have been in January in February of 2005. Uh, church is about thir- well, a little over 13 and a half years old now. And so uh, January and February 2005, we did a series called Runway, okay? This is real great. You know, we, got, we had all this little print stuff that we did and everything, and uh, it was actually really good. We had a lot of people that spent a lot of time, did a lot of, a lot of great work, a lot of creative uh, thought went into and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, I, the, the overall premise of the whole runway thing was that on a runway, whether it's a, uh, you know, a red carpet type event or whatever, you, you have things like ropes, you know, the, the red velvet ropes, and you've got security, and, you know, and, it's, and it's this idea that you know, there's, you know, you're trying to make sure that things from the outside don't come in and get, you know, harm you or get you off course for what you're, try, what you're trying to do. And so uh, the, the premise of that whole series was, you know, we've, we've got something that God is leading us to do, calling us to do, and we've got to be laser-focused 
on what that is and follow it and not, and not veer off of the runway, so to speak. Not let things from outside, you know, come in and, and, and hinder that and harm that. And so I, I went back, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't spend a whole lot of time like studying the messages themselves uh, and because I color code everything that I teach from. Uh, I just went back and just pulled the scriptures. Uh, I, just, I, just, I was just curious. I was like, wonder what, wonder what the first scriptures were that I used uh, as uh, I was teaching for 24. And so I pulled, I pulled up several, and I just want to share a few of them with you because I think they're still as good today as they were 13 years ago, okay? And, and, and honestly, to goodness, I mean, just looking at the vision for 24 then, it, it's no different than the vision of 24 now, uh, which is pretty awesome when you think about it. The, the first one is this. Matthew uh, 22 uh, verses, uh, was that 17 through 20, I think it is. Great, great, great commandment. It says this, And I said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and second is like this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I said Matthew, that's in Mark. I gave it to you completely wrong earlier. Sorry. That's a situation where a guy asks Jesus, what's the greatest thing that I should keep? What's the greatest commandment? You know, if you got that chance to have that single conversation with one question, and you get to ask one thing, and he asks, he asks that one thing, and he says, what's the thing? What's the thing I can't miss, Jesus? And he looks at him and he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, that is the first, that is the great and first commandment. And second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, Jesus answers one question with two answers. And it's because Jesus wants us to understand something, wanted him to understand something that's still good for us today. And it's that you don't separate the two of those things. If we love God, we will love people. If we love God, we will love people. I mean, it's so simple, all right? You know, it's so simple. But the truth is, is that we struggle to love people sometimes. I mean, if we're just being honest with ourselves, we struggle to love people sometimes. 1 John 4.8, this was another passage that I used. 1 John 4.8 says, anyone who does not love God, does not know God because God is love. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. Oddly enough, these were like out of different messages. Those weren't even in the same thing. But I mean, like, they might as well be married to each other. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Ephesians 5.15, I shared this a couple weeks ago. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? What is the will of the Lord? You know, we're, we're great at asking that question. What's God's, what's God's will for my life? We love that question because that's all about us to some degree. You know, it's like, you know what, you know, what's God's will? I, you know, because we want, everybody wants a roadmap, you know. 
we don't want to have to work for it, right? We just, we, just, we just want God to just give us marching orders. Okay, God, you just, you know, tell, tell, tell me what to do, and, and I'll do that, and then that way I, I don't have to wonder, well, he did. Here it is, okay? You're like, well, that, I mean, that doesn't tell me if I'm supposed to take this job or not. That doesn't tell me if I'm going to be in this relationship or not. Yeah, there's a certain amount of something called faith that's a part of this beautiful thing that we have when it comes to this relationship we have with God, where he purposefully doesn't give us everything. He doesn't, you know, he, he hasn't given me, I, I don't know that he's ever given me another dream in my entire life that I woke up from knowing as clear as day that that God had just spoken to me and explained things that I've been beating my head against a wall about. Now, that would be nice if that happened every day. I might not get a lot done in the mornings. I don't know. But the truth is, is that the Lord wants us to blindly follow him and trust him to do what he has given us to do, leading us to do. And when it comes back to this question of what the will of the Lord is, it's very simple. It's very simple. And it's the same for all of us, and it applies to all of our lives. And it's this, that he is glorified that God is glorified, that he is made known in our lives and in this world. That's, that's the will of the Lord. And you say, well, Chris, that seems kind of egotistical. Well, I mean, you could say that. But, I mean, you think about it for just a second. I mean, if he's got the keys to the car that was a ladder that's going to get us to him to save our lives and save us from ourselves and save us from our sin, and he's the only one with the keys... I would hope that he's on the road, that he's putting up billboard signs and paying big money for marketing so that we see him loving us and caring for us in whatever way possible that we would know that he's the only way. The way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father except through Jesus. It's simple. It's real simple. Real simple down to the point that that the mission of this church has always been the, been the same, to proclaim Jesus, to make him known to the nations, whatever that looks like, including our community that which God has put this church in, and that we, would, that we would be about that, and that we wouldn't be scared of that. Fast forward 13 years from teaching some of those things, and the culture of our community has changed a little bit. Um, in some ways, it hasn't changed, and in other ways, it's changed a lot. One of the things that we believe wholeheartedly as a church is that our community should be a better place because the church exists in it. And when I say the church, by the way, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the people, okay? We don't, we don't refer to the building as the church. We, it's we, the people, the body of Christ as the church. And we believe that the community should be better because we are in it. And not because we're good, and not because we're great at things or, you know, whatever, but because we have loved him, and he has loved us, and we have his love to share to other people, that we would love people because we love him. And that that in of itself should change, because his love is powerful, you know? I mean, his love is life-changing. So over the last year or two, in some of the things that we've been 
we've been talking about, we've been praying about as a church. We've been kind of beating our heads against the wall, like what's it look like to do some of these things, to minister to some of these people. One of the things that's come up in our community uh, is uh, a pretty tough drug problem. Um, and, and we've seen that, and we've heard lots of stories from that, and some of us have been affected by that uh, in different ways. We did a funeral here last October of one of the men in the church, one, uh, of his son, 30 years old. 30 years old, leaving a little girl behind, a little bitty girl. And it was fentanyl, this stuff that they put and they cut into drugs to make them stronger, usually heroin or whatever, but um, it'll kill you. And they still do it. And sometimes they don't, sometimes the person taking it doesn't even know it's in there. That's always part of it too, I think. So um, I've, you know, the percentage of people dying in our area is higher than it is in most places due to drug overdoses, and the majority of them are, are things like what I was just talking about. And so, you know, I, it just, I've had several conversations, uh, some of them with DEA agents, one with an FBI agent uh, who's a believer. Uh, they, they, they've even gone and looked at some statistics for me to like make sure, you know, I'm not, we're not crazy here, but it just seems like this is a little bit bigger of an issue in some of our areas here than it might be in some others. And sure enough, they've come back with statistical evidence showing that it is true. Um, and so, you know, I've gone and I've talked with our sheriff, you know, I've talked with him just saying, hey, you know, look, uh, you know, I want to help. We want to help. 24 Church wants to help. God's put 24 Church in the place that it's at with the people that it is, for this time, in this period of history, for a purpose. And I want to make sure that we don't miss that. And what's that look like for us to do anything? And, 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 you know, and, and he's, of course, he's very, you know, you know, very thankful that I would want to come have a conversation like that. Um, and then on top of that, you know, he just says, well, look, here's what, here's what I can tell you. You know, it seems like a lot of that is in pockets of certain areas. He said it can be all over. He said, but there's pockets of certain areas, certain little communities in our community that if you could go into some of those communities and you could love on those families, he's like, I don't know what that looks like, but if you could come up with something, I don't. And so over the last few years, we've been doing some little things. We've been doing little block parties in some of these communities. We've, we did uh, this past summer, thanks to, to Megan Atkinson and uh, some, uh, some students that came from out of town as part of a World Changers trip, uh, we did... Uh, some backyard Bible clubs in one of these communities, like we're there every day for, you know, um, part of a week, uh, you know, and, and this kind of thing. But at the end of the day, we're, we're just kind of going in and coming out and going in and coming out. We're not like there, you know? And so I've been beating my head against the wall. How do we minister to these people? Um, we also are feeling led to build on to our building, to get office space, to get more kids space. I shared a few weeks ago the statistics of uh, the growth in Pleasant View and what's going on just Pleasant View, which, I mean, just Pleasant View is just like literally the city limits of Pleasant View. The, the, the numbers that I've got is uh, we currently have over 1,400 homes in Pleasant View, city limits, proper Pleasant View, not talking about outside the city limits because the growth is probably the same everywhere else right around us, I'm going to guess. Uh, but in the city limits of Pleasant View, over 1,400 homes right now. 
there are over 900 building permits pulled at this moment for, for city limits of Pleasant View, for homes. That does, I didn't mention this. That does not include any apartments, which there are also apartments supposed to be being built as well. Our community is about to double in size. I really believe that God is giving us the very opportunity that he led us here to plant a church, start a church in this community for, I, I think that that's right in front of us. I think it's starting to happen now. Some of you are here. Some of you just moved to the area. Some of you are like, you know, you're on the Cheatham County page. You're trying to figure out if like you're going to get lynched or not, you know, for being an outsider or something. Well, guess what? There's a whole bunch of us now, okay? And some of them are bigger than the rest of them and came from the Army. So, you know, don't worry about it. We're glad, we're glad you're here, okay? So, puzzle pieces. Building, build, building buildings doesn't happen on its own. Costs money. It's a lot of work. Uh, we already have, you know, we have a debt on the building that we're in. I, I really, you know, we're not we're just after trying to uh, find debt. Uh, but if, if we're supposed to get ready for something to come, what do we do? And, and, and so, you know, all of, these, all of these things, all these puzzle pieces, you know, going around and, 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 and just what, what do we do? How do we, how do we handle any of this stuff? So, the dream. In the dream that I had a couple of months ago, I, um, I don't remember anything other than, until I just remember this guy starts talking to me. And I don't recognize him. I didn't know who he was. But he's asking me questions like he knows who I am. And, um, you know, I, and, and the questions he's asking are about our church and about, you know, me and us and, you know, you know how are you guys doing and what's going on and what's God doing at 24 and all this kind of stuff. Very familiar questions, but not from somebody that I don't know who they are. And uh, so I look away, and when I look back, um, the person's look completely changes. He goes from being some uh, gray-haired person that I didn't recognize to being uh, my good friend, Pastor David Landreth, who died about four years ago. And, and David is asking these questions, and I, I, I honestly, I, 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 it's, like, it's like we're just back there. I'm not even thinking about the fact that he's dead. Oh, we got a picture, by the way, of me and David, if we care to see that just for the heck of it. Uh, that's David just uh, a few months before he passed away. He got, he got a serious uh, rare cancer uh, that basically took him out in about two years, and that's what they told him it would do, and uh, I just... Awesome, awesome man. There's so, there's so many things I could tell you about that. We don't have time for it. God chose David. I, here's, what I, here's what I believe about the dream. I believe that God chose David to speak to me because he knew I would listen. He knew I would hear what he had to say. He knew I wouldn't forget it when I woke up. So, back to the dream. David's asking me these questions that he's always asking me. He's, all, he's always, you know, we'd always ask each other these questions like, you know, well, David, what's, you know, what's going on with you? What's going on with Long Hollow, you know? Chris, what's going on with you? What's going on with 24? How's God leading you? How's God, what's, what's God leading the church to do? What's God giving you a vision for? What's, what's coming up? What are the things that you're excited about that you think that the Lord is wanting to do? And, and, and how are you going to do them? And so uh, I remember just kind of like being, man, I don't know. Um, well, we feel, led to, we feel led to try to reach and minister to and love on some of these people in our community 
and uh, you know, there's, there's this great drug problem going on, and, and I, I'm really not sure what to do about it. I've talked with the sheriff about it. He's very kind and gracious, but really all he's given me is, you know, we could go in some of these communities and try to try love on some of these people, but I, man, I'll be honest with you, I don't know, I don't know how we do that. I don't know what to do with it. He goes, okay, all right. He's like, what else? I said, well, you know, we really feel led to build this building. We don't have any offices. I know it hurts the productivity of our church. Um, we also believe that the church is going to probably grow, and we're going to need more kid space. And with that kid space, this is letting something else out of the bag, I guess, which is fine. Um, with that kid space, uh, we're looking at probably doing like a Mother's Day out. And there's not really, you know, a good church-based Mother's Day out in Pleasantview. I said a lot of people are driving, you know, 10, 15 miles away, take their kids to something like that. We really believe that the minute we open that up, that's, you know, it's probably going to have a waiting list. And, he, and he's like, okay. He said, well, I, I could see that. Yeah, that sounds good. He said, what's your, what's your holdback? I hear something in your voice. It's kind of like a holdback. And I said, I don't know, man. I, you know, it's, it's money. It's raising money. We've already got a, we've already got a note that we pay. We need to pay our staff a little more. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to do with all of it. I just told him, I said, man, I just don't know what to do with all of it. And uh, I said, on top of that, you know, I've, I've even heard people mention when they've heard mention of that, you know, well, you don't, you know, use every bit of the kid space that you've got right now every week or something. So, you know, why would you think about building something else? And he's like, oh, okay. Well, he said, you know, you're always going to have people that say stuff like that. I said, yeah, I know. I know. I said, I, I know. I know we're supposed to do it. I said, I don't doubt it. I said, I really know in my heart we're supposed to do it. I said, I, you know, I guess I'm just, you know, just wondering how, you know, how do, we, how do we do some of these things? And then he says to me, he says, he said, well, he, he called me preacher all the time. He said, well, preacher, aren't you going to, you know, aren't you going to do that bus thing? And I said, bus thing? What are you talking about? And he said, the bus thing, you, you know. Aren't you going to do that bus thing where you pick people up or something like that? And I said, I didn't tell you about that. And he said, no. No, you didn't. He said, but aren't you? Aren't you going to do that? I'll backtrack for you. About a year ago, I don't know, about a year ago, Penny, me, I think Joey, went and looked at a bus. We have at times in the history of 24 gone and looked at buses that come up for sale. We just go, we like taking joy rides and buses, I guess, or something. I don't know. I don't know what. We, but anyway, we went and looked at this bus up in Cedar Hill, Tennessee, at a church. And while we're there looking at this bus, the guy that's showing, us, showing it to us is just one of the men from the church, just like a lot of the guys that we've got here in the church that do all kinds of things for 24. He's just one of those guys at that church. And, you know, you could tell he loves the church. And turns out they've been doing a bus ministry. I mean, I'm talking about like, like it's 1989, we're doing bus ministry kind of thing. And they're going up and they're, they're going out and they're picking up kids and all this kind of stuff. And he's telling us all these stories about picking up all these kids and bringing them to church and how families are, you know, starting to come because of it and some of this kind of stuff, you know. And, uh, and that day we rode in that bus. I didn't really care for the bus. It was kind of crappy, but, you know, whatever. And, uh, but I felt like that God spoke to me through that guy. And I didn't say anything about it to anybody. I just kind of let it be. Just, I mean, I think we probably did talk a little bit on the way back, just like I, I was just kind of dumbfounded somebody was still doing that. I didn't know anybody did that anymore. That's like something from the past or something. And so anyway, um, then fast forward 
to uh, about a week before I had this dream, okay, one of the guys here in church, uh, who you'll get to know more in the days to come, his name's Jeff Menifee. Uh, he's taken over uh, what's going to be considered a hospitality team, but it's not what we've always thought about as hospitality. We have all kinds of people doing different things that are hospitality already, and, and he's just, he's just going to, he's going to, they're going to come under him, but he's going to be an encouragement to them and help lead and guide and just try to, you know, give some vision and, and there's some new things too. But anyway, he meets with the staff a few weeks ago about some ideas that he has about this hospitality thing. And, it, and again, it covers more than just eating, okay? More than just breakfasts and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, a, lot, a lot of things, a lot of outreach type things. And one of the things he brings up in the meeting is, a, is a, the idea of a, of a bus ministry. And I was like, where'd you come from? 1989? So, back to the dream... In the dream, David says, aren't you going to do that bus thing? And I said, I, you know, I don't know. And he said, well, Chris, yeah, of course you are. He said, you're going to, I mean, you're going to go to those neighborhoods that you're telling me about. Aren't y'all going to take those buses to those neighborhoods? And you're going to, and you're going to pick a bunch of those kids up and you're going to start ministering to those kids? And through ministering to those kids, you're going to eventually start ministering to some of those families. Some of those kids are going to come to know Jesus. Some of those kids are going to go back and lead their parents to Jesus. You know that, right? And I said, yeah. Kind of dumbfounded, to be honest, in my dream. And I said, yeah, I guess you're right. He said, well, yeah. I mean, of course I'm right. I mean, that's what you're going to do. He said, in fact, you're going to, you're going to load the buses up. He said, you're going to bring... All these kids, he said, first Sunday you open that building, all those kids' rooms are going to be full with all the kids that you're going to bring that God's been leading you guys to minister to. It's going to be awesome. Just imagine the kingdom impact that's going to have. I felt like all these puzzle pieces that I have seen floating around just like fell together in front of me. I was so dumbfounded when I woke up. I can't even tell you. I mean, and the truth is, is it so simple? Maybe you guys had it figured out, and I didn't. I don't know. It's, it's that simple, and I'm very aware that it's that simple. But I believe wholeheartedly that God spoke to me in that dream and gave me a piece. It's just a piece, but gave me a piece, and I'm very grateful for it, of the vision of how we are going to see some of the things come through in the days ahead. He, you know, he brought up, you know, that the, you know, all the people coming and that were going to come as the church grew, we'd have the money and pay for the building and it would be fine. And all those things that we know are true when God leads us to do something that he's going to take care of us along the way. Uh, last part of the dream, uh, I, I said, I did say something. I think I skipped the part where I said this to him. I said, I said, where are we, how are we going to buy buses? We don't have any money. And, <clears throat> and he said, oh, preacher, come on. You get deals all the time on stuff. You'll find some church that just wants to give you all some buses or give you, give you some for cheap or something, you know? He's real country, you know, David. And, uh, and so I said, well, yeah, you're probably right. And, uh, and so then uh, at the end of the dream, the last thing I said, uh, I, I didn't say it. I heard somebody else, like, I don't know, like we were in a, suddenly there's other people around or somebody, I didn't see anybody. And I heard somebody say, who's going to drive the bus? And then I heard from behind me, and they don't know this yet, and they're not in this service, so you don't tell them yet, okay? 
Yeah, funny, right? I've been, I've been, I've been waiting on this moment. And uh, I hear from behind me, throw us the keys. And I turn around, and there's John Taylor and Troy Lincoln standing there. And John, and John, John's, John's, John's the one saying, throw us the keys. John's saying, throw us the keys. Okay, so that's the end of the dream. Now, let me, let me, let me fast forward to at least a couple of little pieces as to why I think God did not want me to share anything about the dream with anybody until some certain time, okay? This is, all, this is all on him. He gets the glory for every bit of it, okay? So I have that dream on a Monday, and I think it's either the next Sunday or the Sunday after that. After I'm done preaching, we're finished with two services, and I'm sitting out there on a pew, and I'm about to die because I usually am about that time on a Sunday morning just because this is so emotionally draining and whatever else, and I stay up late studying or whatever. And so I'm out there sitting down. John and Trisha Taylor come walking up. And Trisha starts talking to me about how they have felt the Lord leading them to step down from children's ministry. And she said, Chris, I, we, just, we just feel like God's leading us. And, and listen, if you don't know, they have been extremely faithful for years to leading this room for our kids back here. I mean, just amazing. Like John Taylor is probably the most loved children's worker we have in the church. He probably trumps Dave, except for Dave's got candy, okay? John's probably giving them Cokes, though, or something. I don't know. But anyway, so they're standing there, and they're just, and, and, and I can tell they're a little brokenhearted about it. And they're really, they're kind of tore up about it. And she's just saying, you know, well, I'm helping Jason so much with student ministry, and I really feel like I'm supposed to, I really think that probably a lot of it is I'm supposed to be helping with more of that, even on Sundays. And uh, because everything's just growing and getting bigger or whatever. And then, and, then, and, then, and then John's just standing there, and I just look at him, and he goes, I don't know. But we, but we did. We felt led to step down. He's like, I don't, I don't know why. And I started laughing. And he's like, what are you laughing at? I said, I'm laughing at you. And he said, what, what do you mean you're laughing at me? I said, I know what it is you're going to be doing. <laughs> and he goes, what? What? And I go, I can't tell you. He still doesn't know, but he's been guessing it. <laughs> so around about the same time, Penny, I can't remember the timing of this, and I, you, I, I know we, we, you and I talked about this, trying to figure out exactly when was happening and what was happening, but something completely out of me having to do anything with it, Penny gets a call right here around the dream, timing of the dream, and it's from another church trying to sell him slash us, a bus, and a van. And I mean, we've, we've, we've heard these before. We've seen this before. You know, we've, you know. And, uh, and he comes to staff meeting with this, and he's like, look, uh, I'm going to throw this at y'all. I mean, this is kind of off the wall, and it's out of the blue, and I know we haven't been talking about buses or vans, you know, but, you know, we, we kind of know we kind of need one to take trips, and we're renting these things for trips and stuff, and it's costing the church money, and you know, I, I don't know what y'all think, but I think I got a great deal here for us. And I said, okay, what, what you got? He said, uh, we can buy this bus and van together for five grand. And it's got a power stroke. Got a power stroke. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
and I don't say, I don't say anything. Uh, like as soon as the conversation comes up, I just I went like radio silent. I let them talk it out before it's over with. They're saying I'm not even interject. You know, you know the only thing I interjected was Penny says something about you know I think you know I think we'll use them you know periodically enough to make it worth having them. And I just said I think we'll use them a lot. That's all I said. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything else. You know, so. The long story short is God's at work. I got a phone call last week from uh, one of, there were three pastors that worked close alongside of David Landreth uh, before he died and for many years. And I became very close with all of those guys. Uh, we used to have lunch once a week. Uh, I didn't know it, but I even shut down a campus for Long Hollow Baptist Church just because of questions they were asking me and, and the answers I was giving them. I was just being honest with things. That, and I, I didn't know I was like a fifth member of the whatever, you know, kind of thing. But uh, it had kind of turned into a little bit of that uh, as they were just seeking advice from me, which was so crazy because Long Hollow is a huge church and all this stuff, and they, you know, had it going on or whatever. But um, one of the guys, one of the pastors that worked with David is actually, actually the only one left in the area. The other two guys have moved out of the area and taken other positions, other places now. Uh, but the one that's left, his name's Derek, Derek Hazlett, he, and he actually emailed me, and he said, hey, I know this is out of the blue, and we haven't talked in forever, and uh, he said, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to re I felt led to reach out to you and just see if you wanted to grab lunch, and I said, okay, let's have lunch, so we had lunch on Tuesday. Uh, he, didn't know, he didn't know about anything, what's going on with 24 or whatever. It turns out he now works for a company that helps churches raise money. And I've seen a bunch of those people before, but they're usually not pastors that I know and trust. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I sat there and I told him about the dream over lunch. And we just cried together. Sometimes God does things the way that he does them so that we've got no question whatsoever that he's there, that his promises are still true, that he never leaves us, he never forsakes us, he's always going to lead us through it, and all we got to do is trust him. And then every once in a while, he, he just, it's like he, shine, he turns the light on in the room of all that stuff we can't see just to let us get a little glimpse of something so that we can know He's got a plan, and it's going to be okay. Today, I come to you no different than 13 years ago. God's called us to love people, and it's because he loved us first that we can. It's because of what he's done through his son Jesus and changing our lives that we can be a part of his mission to bring him glory, and he changed the lives of people that he has called us to minister to. I'm excited about what's to come. And I've been making mention of things like there's going to be a lot of work ahead. Um, I, I, don't think we, I don't think that our kids' workers would fare well right at this second if we just brought in busloads of kids, although I really want to. But that's, that means this. It means we have to step up. I, I can't. I can't go back there because I'm in here doing this. 
And so all I'm asking, this is not a guilt trip, all I'm asking is that you be faithful. If this is your church home, be faithful in listening to the Lord at where he's leading you to serve. Let him put it on your heart. Don't put stipulations on it. Don't say, well, I I can't do this or I don't do that or, you know, whatever. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. For heaven's sakes, we're going to send John and Troy out in a bus and a van to pick up people we don't know (laughs) and bring them back to our church. God can do anything he wants to, any time that he wants to. And sometimes it's through a puzzle and sometimes it's through a dream. I'm praying that wherever you are today with the Lord, that it's where you need to be. I'm praying that you would seek him, that you would let him show you things in your heart that maybe you didn't even know were there. Thank you for letting me be a part of this journey with you. Let's pray together. God, we're excited about the days to come, and Lord, we don't have all the answers, but Lord, we trust that you're going to give them to us as we go. Help us to be faithful. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made of your only son that we might have life, that we might have it eternally, abundantly. And Lord, that you might forgive us for everything we've ever done wrong against you. Lord, what love is that? It's amazing. Lord, I pray for anybody, Lord, that has not trusted in you to be their Savior. I pray that today would be the day that you change their life. God, use us and lead us as your church. We ask this in your name. Amen.